You're listening to Radio Primavera Sound, proudly presented by Cupra. Welcome to Radio Primavera Sound. Uh, in English, their name may suggest a certain timidity, but mild life from Melbourne, Australia, anything but cowards. Over two studio albums, 2018's Phase and 2020's Automatic, the band have gained a reputation for adventurous and distinctly astral psychedelic jazz, which brings to mind a meeting point between Roy Ayers, Sunshine Jazz Funk and the cerebral early wanderings of Pink Floyd. Ahead of the band's first Spanish dates, they play Barcelona on May the 7th and Madrid on May the 8th, we spoke to the band's bass player, Tom Shanahan, about lockdown blues, the power of automation, and playing to penguins. We were just talking um, before I started recording about um, you're on you're on a big tour at the moment. Um, I've been reading a few interviews that took place during lockdown. Um, mm -hmm. It felt like you as a band had really suffered from not being able to play live. Is, is that right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure a lot of bands did, but we can only say from our perspective, we, we, we make a lot of the music together. It's all about the energy in the room. Um, and when we can't get together, we don't have the energy. So without the energy, we feel, we don't feel so good, basically. I'm sure it's the same with other bands as well. Melbourne got a pretty severe lockdown. Um, which is where we're from, Melbourne in Australia. And we um, we missed each other. We missed making music together. And we missed making music and creating music in front of audiences. That's where we get our kicks. Because you, if, if I'm right, a lot of you make music quite often by playing together in a room. That's generally how you come up with ideas, right? That's it. Yep. Did you start to, you know, do other ways, like sending files? To each other when you couldn't meet up or was that not worth it um well i mean we've been playing music together for such a long time we're all such close friends and in different forms um you know way before mild life was mild life um myself and the guitarist have been friends since we were born because our parents are best friends and kevin since high school and so we've we kind of know that that doesn't often lead to the creation of the best music for us at this phase of our musical journey. Um, so we reserve the musical creation uh, for times when we're in the room together. Um, what we did do is um, we started a radio, well, we have a radio station in the UK um, and at the worldwide radio station, we have a um, show called Very Fantastic Radio. And that enabled us we created the, the radio show together remotely so we could hear what each other are listening to um, and still, you know, get on that same musical platform together. Um, and that's kind of what we ended up um, doing during the lockdown was creating this radio show together monthly was really important for us to know what we're listening to and to connect in that way so that when we do get together, um, in the room physically, we can have that as a kind of a launching pad to create um, the best music that, that we want to, I suppose. Were there any surprises in making the radio show? Like, did someone turn up with something one month that you would have never expected them to listen to? Of course. We would be um, surprised if that didn't happen. We've got a pretty eclectic um, taste in music, and, um, and it's great hearing 
you know, when it comes down to that time of the month and everyone's sending their tunes in, it's like, whoa, Jim, I would never think in a million years you'd be listening to this. And yet here we are. And then I'd call him up and I'd be like, what's, what's with this gem? And he'll say, just have a listen into the production um, of this part of it and see how, you know, the passage between, you know, this and this. And you'd go, wow, that's actually awesome. Um, and then you look at it through that lens. So, yeah, we were surprised and we want to be surprised. Can you give any concrete examples of anything that's, any songs that surprised you? Um, there's this Annette Peacock song. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but that set me on a bit of a journey um, that I think Jim um, added to the show once, which I didn't think he would be into. And then that led me down a path of listening to a lot of her um, earlier stuff. Um, which was great. I can't give a specific example of that one. Lockdown was quite a while and there was quite a few episodes. Uh, maybe it was Pony. Um, I'm the one which I think was early 70s record. Right. Um, that tune uh, I, I loved. Um, and that sent me on a bit of a journey. You mentioned um, how you and Adam grew up you were very close um, since childhood. Do you think yeah. that gives you a very deep musical understanding? Yeah. Uh, I would like to think so. There's photos of probably learned to walk, banging around um, on some djembes and congas. And, uh, and I suppose, I mean, just hearing and having the freedom to explore music without judgment with someone that you have such a connection with um, for such a long time. I think that is part of the reason that wildlife is what it is because we have in that room that we keep referring to is this place that we create music in. There is no judgment and it is a place where you can explore sound so freely um, without someone saying, oh, that's, you know, that chord is dank or, well, you know, what? that's a bit sort of cheesy and too sugary. There's none of that kind of talk. We all um, are so free to explore whatever we like in that room. And sure, because we've known each other for such a long time, um, that definitely helps in terms of being free um, and someone knowing you well and, and there's not, not so much ego in the room. And I think that definitely helps because we can explore parts and passages that we wouldn't normally have explored. Your most recent studio album um, is based around the idea of automation and how things in our lives are becoming more uh, automatic, more, more automated. Do you see that this automation has had an impact on your music? Uh, surely it's it's had an impact on so many facets of our lives and because music is obviously a big part of our lives um, it definitely has an impact on it uh, in, in I mean I'm not sure do you want to know in specific ways or yeah if you can think of any specific ways yeah um, I suppose I mean a big <laughs> Every time I go into my car, 
um, and I plug my iPhone in, it automatically plays that U2 album that every phone is loaded up. This is a terrible example, but it just popped into my mind now as I'm looking at a car who's the same as the one I have. But it automatically plays the U2 album. And I'm not particularly fond of it. Um, I mean, I haven't actually listened to it, to be fair, because it's so jammed down my throat every time I get into my car and plug my phone in, it just starts playing it. Um, so I guess just being in this world and industry where um, these days you can actually be forced to listen to something um, in, in such a proud, intimate place as your own car, it makes you resist the idea of automation um, and and view it under perhaps through a more negative lens when it doesn't have to be negative but there's just there's a lot of different things in I suppose that have um, yeah made make us think about the automation in different ways and, um, and what we're in control of and what we're not in control of you know music's a kind of a sacred place that you feel like you have um, a lot of control over and it's maybe this this little bastion of um, freedom where you can control what you're creating, but how much of it are you in control of and not? And, and also for the listener, how much are you in control of the music that you're being fed and, and not? Um, that's a long-winded answer, Ben, to a simple question, but you can pull from that whatever you like. What do you think um, similarly about the power of algorithms and streaming platforms and and places like that. I mean, for me, on the one hand, I like to think, wow, I'd really, you know, I definitely prefer that that human recommendation. But then, to be honest, sometimes it just gets it really right. And I'm really impressed. Totally. Uh, I looked forward to um, getting sped out my discovery. It's getting a bit and it's so unbelievably convenient to be to just load up your phone and have a list of songs and then you're like, how do you know me so well? Am I that predictable? Um, and it's really easy. But, I mean, as long as you have a balance of it all um, and, you know, you, your trusted friends are going to um, send you a record to listen to and it's up to you what you value more. Um, have a good balance of all of it, I suppose. Um, yeah. I like it and I don't like it. Yeah. Um, your most recent album, Live from the South Channel Island, um, I was reading about it. It sounds like fa a fascinating place. What can you tell us about the island itself? The island is um, off the coast of Blair Gallery in, um, in Victoria off the coast um, there. It's a tiny little thing, speck um, out there. It probably takes about um, 40 minutes there by a small boat. Um, it's overgrown with, um, you know, it's hard to get anywhere. You've got these concrete structures that are clawing towards the sky, but the, the, um, all the vegetation's dragging it back down. And then you've got all the um, penguins and, you know, it's run by birds. Birds control that island. Um, and it, we went out there with a whole bunch of gear um, and we had to bring power to it, find a place that we could um, make music and record and film on. And it was a huge 
exhausting day. But it was awesome. It was so fun. How did you know about it? Uh, it was on our manager's radar. We're always looking for um, great little spots to make music on because the environment, I think, does feed into the way that you make the way that you're making the music. Um, and we just wanted to explore that idea. And, and this felt um, right to us because it's really remote in a beautiful area that will obviously look great when it's filmed. But we loved how brutal all of these concrete structures um, coming out of this um, overgrown island. It just it felt great, the relationship between the human and between nature um, on this tiny thing. And we liked the idea of getting on there and, and getting kind of lost in the music and seeing what happens. When I saw some of the pictures of you playing there, um, mm -hmm. I haven't seen many, but when I saw them, it struck me as it looks like a very appropriate place for you to play in, in some way. Did you, did you think that when you saw it? Did you think, well, this just looks right? Absolutely. We, we went out there for a bit of a recon once and, um, and we, we got, as soon as we set foot on it, we, we thought we've got to make this happen. Um, just because it just, it did felt right to us. It was so beautiful. I mean, it's, it's great to play music or do anything in a beautiful area. And it was really beautiful. And it spoke to us again, the relationship between the uh, man-made structures and the vegetation was great. Um, I mean, in reality, then what happened was we ended up, um, getting out there and because we have to power the whole island, it was a huge task. And when I say huge, I'm talking really big because with our schedule, we ended up allowing, you know, let's just say from we got up there really early from midday to maybe seven o'clock to make the music, record, choose the best bits out of it um, and then release that on vinyl and, and as a live record. Uh, when we got there, you're running into a bunch of problems because this island hasn't really seen this many people on quite some time um, and it's again without power and we've got to record it well and we've got to film it we've got a whole film crew there and obviously engine sound engineers all over the place and it took a really long time to get everything going and we ended up getting to the point where we were sitting we were standing there on this chunk of concrete for so long i'm looking across at um adzi and jim and Kev, and they're all burnt to a crisp, um, just a bunch of tomatoes staring back at me. And we've got, it ended up getting to the point where we've got, you know, an hour and a half to film and record a, a live album um, before the sun goes down because packing up on this island in the dark is not going to happen. Um, and we ended up just going, wow, okay, shit. Everybody, we've got an hour and a half to pull this together. We better not make any mistakes because we're not having another dig at it. Um, and, you know, meanwhile, our manager's, you know, vomiting into the ocean from stress because he's always a lot of organizing to get this happening. We put a lot into it. And, and we kind of, a bunch of tomatoes on this concrete slab uh, pulled it together and we managed to get it all done in sort of roughly one, one take. Um, and we're really happy with it. We, we wanted to have like, you know, 10 takes on it because you want to, we're, we're pretty, 
we want it to be right, but we didn't. We had one shot at it, and maybe that made it what it what it ended up being. You know, the environment informed it. At the end of the day, the environment's in control, and we ended up sort of pulling it together in one take, which we're really stoked with. I, I can imagine it really makes you think about what you're doing because it's like if, if someone's going to play a solo or something, if you know you've only got like 90 minutes before you literally have to leave, there's no, you you got to really think about what you're doing, right? You do. But, I mean, the second you really think about what you're doing, you kind of, and, I mean, this is, someone else might argue this point, this is purely from our perspective. Um, the second that you really start thinking about what it is you're doing and analysing and thinking about all of that, you're stepping a little bit outside of that moment. And for us anyway, the best music is made when you're inside the moment. So there was a real sort of push and pull tension between getting in the moment, but then the inevitability of having only uh, one shot roughly at this thing, um, I think made it what it is. But we kind of just had to get in that moment and not really worry if something went wrong, I guess. Um, and um, luckily for us, it didn't happen. And I think that that pressure created something unique in that recording I would like think you know pressure yeah. makes diamonds is it yeah um, I don't know if, if, if that, that has some relevance here whatever it is I'm not saying it's a diamond record I'm just saying it's it created something in this live recording that perhaps wouldn't have happened if we had the amount of time we should have had on it yeah, I wanted to ask you. There's been a lot of remixes of your work. Um, what role does the remix play in your musical evolution? Do you mean in um, us on a kind of in the creation of other music or um, on our in our careers? What, what well, do you I mean? Suppose, I suppose a more more obvious question is. Why do you get remixes? Why do you have them? Uh, well, initially with the first album, Phase, um, uh, the label that put that out, uh, we wanted them to do a remix of it because um, one of the guys involved there, Marius, who is... Um, is one half of Sleep D and we and they're friends of ours and we wanted them to have a have a shot at it um, and we just liked the idea of that collaboration. It started with that and and I said music through the lens of someone else and see what they do with it. Uh, I think it's just as simple as that. Yeah, it's you spend so much time in your own head in that room. I'm talking about creating the music and it's it's well, i love it when you get that email back uh email from someone you know oh you know the the remix from tornado wallace is here i go cool let's see what um let's see what he thinks of it and he what what he wanted to do with it um so yeah i mean it's interesting for us to just hear just purely to hear what someone else does isn't it? yeah 
I wanted to um, throw a, a quote at you. Um, it's from Adam, so uh, it might not, you know, it might not resonate with you, but I thought it was a very interesting thing he said. Um, he was talking about studying jazz, and he mm -hmm. said, you never really finish studying jazz, um, which I thought was a fascinating thing to say. Do you, do you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, I didn't study like Adam did, um, but I, what he's saying, we talk about it quite frequently. Um, it's like with anything, if you feel like you've finished studying, that suggests that you are then, you know, on top of it and like the master of that craft. It's like you're the master, you're going to stop exploring. If you stop exploring, then where's the fun in that? It's, it's, it's a constant journey. You can't be finished with it, you know? Yeah. So you're on a long I tour. I imagine that's what he means. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're, you're on a long tour and you're playing Spain in May, I believe it is. Have you ever played Spain before? Never. Cool. What do you... Are there things you're looking forward to in, in Spain? That's the one I, I'm kind of looking forward to the most. We're doing um, Barcelona, I think, I think on the 7th, yeah. and Madrid on the 8th. Um, and at this point, because we're doing so many different dates at different times, that's the only date in my mind that I know because I'm looking forward to it so much. The 7th and the 8th of May, I'm going to be in Spain, and I'm stoked about that. I've been to Spain once when I was a lot younger, but not as a band. And I, I'm stoked to get out there. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Cool. Well, the final thing I wanted to ask is just what, what's next for you, really? Well, we're going to be playing a bunch of music in a bunch of different places over the next two months. It's a three-month tour. So we're going to be just... Um, playing a bunch of music we're gonna we're, we're trying to play new music as well in this in our sets from for the for the next record because we've started writing the next record and we're squeezing some of that into some of these sets that we're playing because we feel that that's a really important component in the songwriting process how they can, can be played live a lot of the time you'll take a song out of the studio where we've written it um, and then the next phase is to play it live a bunch of times. So then you go back into the studio and you go, that passage works really well. I, f I did this at that gig in Montreal and I think it sounded great. Um, and then someone would go, that did sound great. All right, let's now make that a part of the song. And then you take that back to the studio. So that relationship between studio and playing live, it's really important for us. So we're going to be playing a bunch of the new stuff um, on, on the tour as well. Um, to, to sort of help form the new songs. And then when we come back after this long tour, uh, we're going straight into the studio to, to write and record the next album. Mm -hmm.